Welcome, dear listeners, to episode three of Everybody's Stories. My name is H.W. Honeycutt. I'm the host. Today on the podcast, if you will be so kind as to listen, I will be so kind as to read a short story of mine called Jacob that is a selection from the H.W. Honeycutt Short Story of the Month Club. I think we can all agree that most everyone has to make a living in this world somehow, and I think we can all agree that there are some people in this world that make their living in some pretty dastardly and nefarious ways. There's people out there working for the drug companies that are pushing pharmaceuticals on people so much so to to the extent that it's polluting our water supply and there's people in the fossil fuel industry out there bribing politicians to deny climate change there's just all sorts of nastiness in the world and uh what i'm trying to do how i'm trying to make my living is through writing stories now that's hard because writing stories is fun and so you know a lot of people would want to do it and there's so many stories out there i'm i'm literally competing against star wars and the revenant and major blockbusters for time and attention that's why i'm so grateful and appreciative of the readers that i do have signed up I'm a Honeycut Story of the Month Club. What it is, if you Google my name, which is H and then W and then Honeycut, the second thing that will come up is my blog. And you can subscribe there for the Honeycut Story of the Month Club. It costs $1 per month. And if you forget about it, that's $12 for a year. But... I hope you won't forget about it because once a month, on the 15th of every month, I send out an original short story that I've written. And the one I'm about to read, Jacob, is one that was featured in the Honeycut Club. And uh, so for your $1 a month, you get a story by me. And what else do you get? The other thing you get, which is kind of cool, especially if you're a writer is you get me as a beta reader. And a beta reader is someone who reads something and can do whatever you want to it, whether it's uh, offer grammatical suggestions, how to make it more grammatical and and smoother, Um, offer general feedback, first impressions. Basically, let me know what you want, uh, how you what kind of eyeballs you want on this piece and I'll do it because I love reading and I've taught creative writing at the university level so I hope you'll find that I'm a receptive and somewhat knowledgeable reader Um, so that's another benefit of the Honeycut Club is you just just email me whatever you've written and if you're a subscriber I got time for you because you're important to me because you're keeping me out of harm's way and helping me do what I love. So 
that's again at hwhoneycut.blogspot.com, but it might be easier if you just Google my name. So this short story for episode three of Everybody's Stories, this is called Jacob. Jacob by H.W. Honeycutt Near the end of my night shift at the country store, a taxi rolled up. Its dented door flung open, and a man dressed in black staggered out. He zigzagged into the store and passed me with no acknowledgement on his way to the beer cooler. His gait and get-up reminded me of Anton Jackson from In Living Color, but after a minute his bobbing stance settled to stillness. I traversed the partially hydrogenated landscape and said, Can I help you? He had fallen asleep standing up. I didn't know what to say, so I just said, Aw, come on. His eyelids opened a millimeter. I'm up, he said, bobbing again. His pants slid down little by little and fell around his ankles. Jesus, I said. Mustering a foggy smile, he cinched the belt of his battered trench coat and tottered into a display case of Boone's farm. I put my hands on him and steadied him. I got you, I said, the pink bottles jingling. He reeked like booze and garbage. Easy does it, I said. I searched his gnarled face, a fleur-de-lis tattoo on one cheek and a pentagram on the other, and said, I know you. He squinted, trying to place me. It's Henry, I said. The subdivision where Jacob and I grew up was only a couple of miles away. We had met there after his father tore ass off in a Camaro with a 19-year-old, and his mother, Sandy, bought a Dalmatian. At eight years old, in my world, it seemed perfectly acceptable to march over to a neighbor's house and ask to see their puppy. When I arrived on their cement stoop, the front door was ajar. I could see through the screen door into the kitchen the three of them had the puppy pinned on its back. Jacob and his younger sister Beth held the body, and Sandy held its head, pulling its skin back so hard that its eyes became slits. Your name is Spot, she said, an inch from the puppy's bewildered face. The air held the intensity of a satanic ritual. Your name is Spot, she said again, screaming the last word. Spot whimpered. Now you say it, she said to Jacob. Your name is Spot, Jacob said. I rang the doorbell and Spot yelped. Jacob came to the door. Hi, I'm Henry, I said. I heard you got a puppy. Yeah, Jacob said. Can I meet him? Um, probably not right now, he said. Maybe later. We're teaching it its name. The next day, I was playing driveway basketball in front of a five-bedroom colonial with three older boys, 12 and 13-year-olds. Jacob coasted by on his sister's pink huffy, and Tim, the oldest, who lived in the house behind us with his brother Matt, said, There's that fag, Jacob. Matt stuck up his middle finger in Jacob's direction and said, Keep rolling, fag. Jacob fishtailed a 180 and pedaled to the start of the hot black asphalt. I ain't no faggot, Jacob said. The three older boys left me holding the ball and advanced towards him. 
Jacob was three years older than me, but a year or two younger than them. They were tall, too, for middle schoolers, and their shadows fell all over him. Yeah, Tim said. How come I heard your dad left because he was sick of living with a fag? The third boy, Doug, the third boy Dougie, pointed at Jacob and said, Mode. Behind everybody, I said, You guys, we're at game point. Shut up, Henry, Tim said. I'll finish taking you to school in a minute. If I'm such a fag, how come I got my magic Santa sack, Jacob said. He reached into his denim backpack and took out a little red stocking the size of a baby's booty. What's in it, Matt said. Wouldn't you like to know, Jacob said, before he put the miniature stocking away and zipped his bag back up. Tim gave Matt a hard look and mouthed the word retard at him. Then he stepped towards Jacob and said, How about we just beat your ass and find out? Jacob backed up a foot and Tim said, We know your deadbeat dad ain't coming back. I dribbled the ball between my legs and shot layups on the seven-foot rim amidst hurled threats about fathers, butterfly knives, and baseball bats with blood on them. Jacob rode off, and we resumed the game. I checked up with Tim and said, Why do you guys fuck with him? Tim said, Because he's a fag, and what's his mom gonna do, kick my dad's ass? Tim chucked the ball at my face, and my hand sprung up to catch it. Dougie, my teammate, cackled. I returned to Jacob's house the next day, and he answered the door in a Magic Johnson Michigan State jersey. What do you want, he said. Came to say sorry for Tim and those guys, I said. Jacob nodded and said, oh yeah, thanks for having my back. A sheepish feeling overwhelmed me, and I said, next time. Jacob seemed pleased with that. You want to see Spot, he said. Actually, I said, what's in that Magic Santa sack? He thought about it for a second and said, Meet me at the jumps tomorrow at noon and don't tell anyone. He closed the door. The jumps were mounds of dirt in the woods behind our subdivision. They got their name from older kids, even older than Tim, who ramped BMX bikes up the inclines. Jacob reached into his backpack and then into the little, into the little red stocking. This is my private stash, he said. He unfolded a magazine page a half dozen times, beaming. Playboy Lingerie Edition, Jacob said, holding up the picture. He pronounced the word lingerie like the word linger plus I-E. Whoa, tits, I said. I had never seen the real likeness of a naked woman before. We hiked back to the neighborhood and Jacob cut brush in our path with a steak knife. I have a crap ton of Magic Johnson cards, Jacob said. Really? Do you hoop? No, I just like the cards. Do you watch games? Sometimes, Jacob said. We came upon his house, and Jacob asked me if I'd like some raspberries. Hell yeah, I want some raspberries, I said. He led me to the side of his house, to a raspberry bush, and we picked raspberries right off the thin branches. Next time the Lakers play, I'll invite you over. We can watch Magic play and write letters to him, I said. Cool, Jacob said. A second-story window directly above us sprang open. Sandy's voice wavered with exasperated rage. You little shits! I've been cultivating those raspberries all summer, she said. With no hesitation, Jacob said, go, and I took off like the flash. Much to my father's embarrassment, I had been wearing plyometric strength shoes everywhere, with ankle weights, even to church with my Sunday best. Jacob and I had been working out together, too, 
lifting two pound dumbbells and jumping rope. And my activities increased my vertical six inches by the end of the summer. Almost nine years old, my dream in life was to dunk on Tim and Matt's seven foot hoop. On Halloween day, I met Tim, Matt, and Dougie for one last game of the year. The sky threatened snow, and in our sweatshirts, we battled. During the summer, Tim and Matt schooled Dougie and me. We would win one game out of five on lucky days. But on that day, we pushed the series to seven games. I grabbed rebounds, made no-look passes, and drained jump shots like it was my birthday. A small crowd of a dozen neighborhood kids dressed as Jedi Knights, Ghostbusters, Princesses, and Freddy Kruegers, one by one gathered round. This was the pinnacle of white boy driveway basketball. We played the final game to 11 by ones, make it, take it, got a win by two. Tim and Matt devolved into Bill Ambeer savages, hacking and stiff arming on every play. With the game tied at 18, well into overtime, I drove the lane and they collapsed on me, raining blows as I swung a behind-the-back pass to Dougie. Dougie laid the ball up and in, and Matt clocked him on the release. The crowd, now totaling 20, gasped. And one, I said, getting in Matt's face. Dougie stumbled off, rubbing the side of his jaw. Tim grabbed the ball and checked it at me hard, and I chucked it back. You good, Dougie, I said. Does your pussy hurt, Dougie, Tim said. I'm ready, Dougie said. I took the ball out up top, and Tim smothered me right away. Dougie fought his way through Matt, and I handed off the ball to him like a quarterback to a running back. I jogged two paces away from the rim with Tim on my tail, and then spun away, back-cutting as hard as I could to the hoop. Dougie lobbed an alley-oop, and Tim, running backwards, leapt to bat the ball away. I took off from my left foot, flying high, and jammed the ball over Tim with one hand. The neighborhood gallery erupted. Shouts of posterized and mowed could be heard from the Freddy Kruegers and Robin Hoods of the crowd. I swung on the rim and knocked him over with my knees, and when I landed back on earth, I stood over him and flexed. I let loose the bottled-up rage of a runt sibling, shouting, How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Tim sprang to his feet and wrapped his hands around my neck, and the two of us tumbled to the ground. He cold-cocked me in the face repeatedly. Matt, Dougie, and the whole neighborhood looked on until someone in a realistic-looking brown gorilla suit held a steak knife to Tim's throat. Get off him, Jacob said underneath the mask. You're a psycho, Tim said, twisting off me, putting his hands up. Shut up, I said from the ground, my nose bloodied. You all see what a psycho fag he is, Tim said, appealing to the crowd of kids. He came at me with a fucking steak knife, and he keeps gay porn in his Santa stocking. My face turned red, and I looked at the face of the gorilla, trying to find Jacob's eyes. I wanted him to know that I hadn't told a soul. And Henry looks at gay porn in the woods and does things with his gay little buddy, Matt said. Tim busted up laughing and said, it's true. I sat up, wiping my crimson mustache, and said, that's a goddamn lie. The last bit of twilight glinted behind Jacob when he removed his gorilla mask. He said, Fine, you all want to see what's in my magic Santa sack? Over 20 adolescents murmured and watched Jacob fish around in his denim backpack. He had dangled the mystery of the Santa stocking in front of more kids than Tim and Matt, and the neighborhood youth needed to know. 
Jacob found the miniature red stocking and tossed it to Dougie. Go ahead, Dougie. You won. Tell everyone what's in my magic Santa sack, Jacob said. Dougie looked around, and all eyes fixed on him while he undid the stocking string. He pulled out a piece of white paper and unfolded it six times. He read. The expression on his face bid everyone to inch closer. I stood up. What is it, Tim said. Dougie stood frozen. A couple more agog youngsters said, What is it, Dougie? With eyes as wide as your mama's butt cheeks, to use our neighborhood parlance, Dougie said, It's a letter from Magic Johnson. Bullshit. Give me that, Tim said. A shoving ruckus broke out, and Jacob calmed it. Okay, okay, you can see it, Jacob said, but if you do anything to it, I'll stab you in the eye when you least expect it. Tim took the letter from Dougie, glaring at Jacob, and I jockeyed with Matt and a couple other boys to get a glimpse. Laker's letterhead adorned the top of the document. Kids in the crowd said, Awesome, and let me see it. By all metrics, it was real. After scanning it for a minute, Tim said, Whoop-de-doo, and handed the letter to Jacob. He headed to the front door of his big house with Matt a few paces behind. Hey, Tim, Jacob said. He and Matt both whipped around. You can cancel your appearance on Maury Povich. Tim, bewildered and pissed off as ever, said, What? We found out who's your daddy tonight, Jacob said, holding up the ball, simulating a dunk. The crowd roared with belly laughter. Tim shook his head and went inside. I put my arm around Jacob, and we went to find my Halloween costume. One week later... Magic Johnson announced to the world that he had HIV, and Tim, Matt, and a half dozen other boys found Jacob, alone, looking at Playboy and crying back in the jumps. They crucified him like only kids can. I knocked on Jacob's door a half dozen times until Thanksgiving. Sandy always said he was busy, sleeping, or out somewhere. I crunched through a foot of freshly fallen snow during the first week of December and asked for him. Henry, sorry to tell you, but Jacob's not living here anymore, Sandy said. He went to live with his father. Where, I said. New Orleans, she said. I took off my knit hat, which had the words, where's the beef, written across it. My eyes welled up. Am I ever going to see him again? Sure, she said. He'll call when he's back in the summer. But I never saw Jacob again, until that night, near the end of my shift at the country store. Since last seeing each other, my high school team won the Podunk Division State Championship of Michigan, undefeated, with an average margin of victory of 26 points. A senior starting point guard averaged 17.4 points per game and 11.2 assists. I was a walk-on at Michigan State and sat the bench there for two years until Izzo kicked me off the team for smoking weed. Not long after, I dropped out of college altogether and got this shitty job at the country store in the backwoods of my hometown, where I've been for the past six years, drinking beer and gaining weight. Jacob leaned on me, and I breathed through my mouth and hobbled us back to the main office. The store's owner had a beat-up old lazy boy in there, which doubled as the store's safe. I heaved Jacob down, and he tumbled into the chair. I pulled the lever, and he reclined all the way. His stomach pumped up and down. His eyes were closed. 
I stepped away to call someone or to get him a cup of water, but he said, Henry. I turned back and looked at him. His eyes did not open. Henry, Jacob said. I never even really liked, he paused to breathe, Magic Johnson. I stood there still. My dad did. He forgot to take a cache of his cards when he left was all, Jacob said, coughing and trailing off. Just get some rest, I said. We don't have to think about him now. I know, Jacob said, looking peaceful. We're men now. You just heard Jacob by H.W. Honeycutt. That's me, the host. Thanks so much for listening. What an honor. Once again, if you uh, would like to subscribe to my Story of the Month Club, you can receive stories written by me, delivered as PDF documents into your email inbox on the 15th of each month. And you will have me at your beck and call as a beta reader. You can email me anything and tell me what you'd like to look out for or if you just want a human set of eyes. Um, you'll get all that when you subscribe to my short story, The Month Club, and you'll be a patron of the arts. You'll be keeping Honeycut out of harm's way. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, this was episode three of Everybody's Stories, and I hope to have you back next time. Have a fantastic week. Hope you see some great shows, hang out with friends, and uh, that thing that you're worrying about, eh, trust me, in two weeks it ain't going to be nothing. All right, thanks everyone, goodbye. Actually, I don't want to end it like that. I want to say thanks, everyone. Goodbye.